Welcome to Wednesday Word, a Bible study led by Pastor John Jenkins of Northport Baptist Church. Uh, have you ever been to a lake or a pond and picked up a rock and skipped it across the water? Can't, your shoulder's been replaced now. You can't do that anymore, right? Yeah. So, but you used to, right? Yeah. So, so today we're going to take a rock and we're going to skip it across Matthew 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. So we're just going to just hit some highlights as we go through these next four chapters. And it's going to come out of my devotional reading because like I always do, when if Pastor John asked me to come, I take my journal and I say, okay, Lord, what Ruby spoke to me recently that I can just share with my friends today. So that's all I'm doing. And so my writings and my words make sense to me. So when I say it to you, it may come out and I go, well, that may not make sense to you, but it did to me at the time that I read it, okay? So forgive me for any uh, loss in translation uh, scriptures and application. But as we do this, look in Matthew chapter 16 with me. And I want to read here the opening verses, verse 1. And I'm reading from the New American Standard in case you start wondering, what's he reading from, okay? The Pharisees and Sadducees came up and testing Jesus. And they asked him how to show, ask him to show them a sign from heaven. But he replied to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, there will be a storm today for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times? An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. A sign will not be given it except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and went away. Jesus had already been asked to show a sign in chapter 12 of Matthew to the scribes and the Pharisees. And now the Pharisees and the Sadducees come together saying again, Give us a sign. And notice here, Jesus is saying, you cannot discern. He's telling these religious leaders, men who know the Old Testament inside and out. They know it word for word. They memorize vast sums of Scripture from the Old Testament. And yet, the the fulfillment of the Old Testament is right in front of them. If he was a snake, it would have bit him, you know, the old saying goes. He's there in front of them doing signs and wonders, and they can't see it. They cannot discern the simplest thing that's in front of them. And Jesus is telling them, you know, hey, you can go out there and discern the changing skies and determine quickly what's about to happen, but you're only going to get the sign of Jonah from me. And then he goes on to say here, and he went away. And without skipping a beat, Matthew says this in verse 5, And the disciples now came to the other side of the sea, but they have forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus is saying to them, you know, the leaven. What leaven is that bread that has been uh, uh, 
mixed in with yeast, which makes the bread expand. The properties of yeast is that a little bit permeates the entire body of bread. It infiltrates the whole thing. Just a little bit is all it takes to make that bread be uh, leaven and rise. And he's saying the little bit of influence that these religious leaders have is like, in many times, Scripture refers to as an evil thing. And he's saying the ungodly teaching of these men is like yeast or leaven that is just permeating his people. That's what he's trying to say. He's trying to tell them that, but look what they said to themselves, the disciples. They began to discuss this among them and say, saying, he said that because we didn't bring any bread. We didn't bring any wonder bread. We forgot to bring the whole wheat bread from the grocery store for this trip. But Jesus, aware of this, said, you men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets full you picked up? Or the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets full you picked up? Now, how is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, literal bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Verse 12, then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven bread, but of the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Oh, I get it now. I'm slow. They're like Forrest Gump. I'm not a smart man, you know. And now look here, look at the contrast we see. We see the scribes and Pharisees very educated in the Word, extremely intelligent, extremely smart, studied, looking for a prophet, looking for the Messiah, the Christ, living it, breathing it out, holding people accountable to every jot and tittle of the law. And Jesus says to them, you don't get it. You're missing the point, and it's right in front of you. They didn't understand. And then yet you turn around and you have the, 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 these 12 guys who do recognize Jesus, who are walking in intimate relationship with Jesus, their rabbi, daily living with this man, the Messiah, his teachings, watching the miracles, having personal conversations with him, sharing meals, and yet they still don't get it. They're just dumb, just ignorant, just, just what's wrong with us? Whether you're religious and smart or deeply devoted in relationship with Jesus, we still don't get it sometimes. And I'm that way. And it just scares me and it frustrates me that I just don't get it sometimes. What did Jesus call us? What animal did he love to refer us to? Sheep. He was smart to call us that. Sheep are not very bright. They're not. Sheep can't see. 
They're, they're very limited in their vision. They can't see far. They're just, they depend totally on somebody else to guide them, to make sure they're fed, to make sure they're watered. They're just dumb animals, totally dependent upon someone wiser and smarter and stronger than them to provide for them. And so we're like these sheep in so many ways. And so I read that from my own devotional reading and stuff, and I'm going, gosh, Lord, I, I want to, I don't want to be this. Now I'm a pastor. I'm a religious leader. I don't want to be that person. And I've got some measure of education, but I've forgotten half of what I know already, you know. It was limited in what I, I could apply. And I'm just living day by day, to be honest with you. You know, in my ministry here, it's like, Lord, today's the day you give me. Equip me to do what I need to do today. And so, um, and I don't want to miss Jesus. And I think John Reed talked about being aware and seeing and hearing the voice of Jesus and responding to it. And I've already been living in that for so long lately. And so we turn around and, 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 we, and Matthew transitions to Peter's confession. And he says to him uh, here that Jesus uh, praises Peter for him understanding that Jesus saying, uh, Simon Peter said in verse 16, uh, after the question, who do you say that I am? He said, Peter said, or Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And so Jesus praises him for getting it. Peter got it. Just for a moment. He understands fully God has revealed to him the reality and the truth of who the Messiah is in Jesus Christ. But then we see a little bit later, I, I don't remember off the top of my head in the passage where when Peter is talking with Jesus and the others, and Jesus makes reference to, I am going to the cross. And Peter says, oh, no, you're not, in my own words. And what does Jesus turn and say to Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. So even Peter individually still does not get it. There's great faith at moments, great understanding, great revelation of who Jesus is. Peter understood who Jesus is, but Peter didn't understand what Jesus does. There's a difference. I know who you are, but I don't understand your full purpose. And so he was scolded about that. And so then we see in Matthew, we're going to skip the rock. It's, it's now picking up and moving on down the road. In verse chapter 17, in my devotional reading, we see that Jesus is transfigured. Transfigured is the word metamorphosis. He is uh, somehow unbeknownst to us, just changed with the, this light about him as Moses and Elijah is there in his presence and the disciples wanted, Peter wanted to build a, a temple to all of them and just worship him. And Jesus is like, no, you're missing the point here again. And so he's transformed or transfigured, metamorphosized in existence in his flesh. And then the, we pick up the rock and it skips across a little further to Matthew chapter 18. If we, I see here that Jesus says to us in chapter 18, 
we must be converted. Verse 3 of chapter 18, I, truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So in my study there, I noticed Jesus was changed. He was metamorphosized in that moment gloriously. And then in chapter 18, Jesus wants us to be converted or changed. There's a change that must take place in our lives as well. The word converted there, it means to, to, to take a 180. It's the same idea of the word repentance. To be converted or to become like a child means to make a change in your personhood, who you are. Stop acting like a pompous, prideful adult that thinks you know it all, like these scribes and Pharisees. Stop acting like this uh, deeply relational person that you're in love with Christ, but instead become humble and change who you are to become so humble like a child before Jesus. To say, whatever you say, Jesus, what, whatever you think I need today, I'm totally dependent upon you for my existence. Because a child cannot survive on their own. We saw a video of these children in that video in the rubble, helpless except for the love and the care of an adult. Jesus wants us to be like a child, totally helpless and dependent upon Him for our breath, our existence, and how we live and move and how we're being. And so Jesus was transfigured or metamorphosized. Verse 8, chapter 18, we must be changed as well to make a change in our lives in following Christ. The rock skips forward to chapter Matthew 19. In chapter 19, we see here that again, in verse 14, again, referring to children, he says, but Jesus said, let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as as these. Again, to be a follower of Christ, we must become like children. We must have a change in our hearts. It's our nature when we get a little bit of knowledge or get into relationships with powerful people, influential people, knowledge and people make us feel pride. Well, I know a few things. We start strutting like a peacock. I, look at me. I think I've got this thing figured out because of what I know or the people that I am in relationship with, powerful people or influential people, whatever it may be. We do that. That's our human nature. And Jesus is saying we can't go there. We have got to always have a heart and a mind and an attitude of a child before the Father that he is smarter than we are and we are still totally dependent upon him. And in this, we, we see that a lot of questions were asked. We see the rich young ruler coming to Jesus in verse 16. What shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And Jesus said to him, uh, which laws do I need to keep? You know, and then later, uh, it, in the discussion, the disciples asked Jesus, well, then who can be saved? 
And then verse 26, with people it is impossible, with God all things are possible. And then verse 27, there was a question Peter said to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? So I, in my own study, I saw questions being asked now. The disciples, these people seeking Jesus, they have questions. Because I, we just, we've just seen Jesus telling us we've got to become like children. We've got to have a change in our hearts. We've got to have a change in our, our, who we are. Well, that leads to questions, doesn't it? Well, how am I going to do that? Well, what have I got to do like this rich young leader to make this happen? You know, well, if he can't do it and he's rich and successful, then how are anybody else going to be able to do it? A lot of questions this leads to, and I'm not going to give you the answers to them because I just made a note to myself, there will be questions that we have of Jesus and bring them before Him. And, and he, with time, He can reveal that to you. And so well, the rock skips on into Matthew chapter 20, verses 32 through 33 in my study. And there is uh, two blind men that they meet there leaving Jericho. Let me read verse 29. Of chapter 20. And as they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. And two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Lord, or Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And the crowd sternly told them, Be quiet. But they cried out all the more, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And then Jesus stopped and called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? And then they said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. And moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed them. I love the question because, in, again, in my own reading, this, as I'm working through Matthew, this became my prayer. Jesus, I want you to open my eyes. I don't want to miss you. The scribes and the Pharisees did not see you even though you're standing right there as the Messiah. The disciples see you, but they didn't see with spiritual eyes and with spiritual ears to understand the purpose of Jesus while he was here. I want to see Jesus. I want to see with spiritual eyes what God is doing in my life that I'm not aware of. Because when I start asking questions and start feeling depressed or down or discouraged or overwhelmed, which happens quite a bit, I'm not seeing with spiritual eyes. My eyes are not being opened to the reality of the work that God, how He's blessed me. Every Christian should be walking with a heart filled with gratitude and gratefulness to a loving Father. We should walk in that always, do, should we not? But we don't because our eyes grow dim spiritually and we start drawing inward and become selfish and start looking at the warts and the, the ugliness about ourselves and our aches and our pains and we start going, well, look at me, look at me, look at what's wrong, look at my life, look at what's happening going around me. Jesus is wanting us to look at Him. 
How was Jesus able to do what He did? He looked forward to the reward of heaven. We are commanded by Paul in Romans, uh, somewhere in Romans to say, for us to press towards the mark, looking forward to the prize, to the high calling of God, we should have a forward thought, a forward vision, rather than just the, the, the three feet that I'm standing in. And so it's my prayer. I want my eyes open to see Jesus. I want to see him working in me. This was my prayer. I'm going to read it, what I wrote. Jesus, I want my eyes open to see you. I want to discern your laws, to understand your words. I want to see you physically. I want to see and recognize your authority and deity like Peter. Let not my mind misinterpret what you say or do. That was my prayer that I wrote that day. And then at somewhere in our reading, I think it was the next week's reading, that Jesus comes along and he says to, to the people, take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy. My burden is light. And then that really spoke to me as a religious leader here in our community. I don't want to do that to y'all. Remember what I said to you, Take a breath and relax about your Bible reading. I don't want to become a burden to you in your daily Bible reading. The task put before you, you should enjoy the journey with Christ. And so for me, and then I'm, I'm only speaking for Scott because all I know is Scott. But I don't want to do anything in my life that hinders your walk with Christ. I want to do nothing but fan your flames and your joy and your walk with the Lord with however I can aid you in that. That's what I want to do. And don't let me, because I'm a doer. I like staying busy. And so in some respects for me as, as one, of your, one of your pastors, it would be easy to say, well, if, if the church is going to be pleased with Scott, you're going to be saying, well, what's Scott doing? Well, you in the flesh would go, was, was Scott making us stay busy with Bible readings and mission trips and service opportunities here locally? And then he's got us serving on Wednesday nights. And he's got us, he's, Scott's keeping us busy. You know, I can fill you with busyness. And I don't, want, I don't want to guard against being busy for the sake of being busy. I don't want any of you in our church family to ever think, gosh, the church has got me so busy I'm not having fun anymore. You know, I want you to take joy in your service to the body of Christ. I want you to have joy as you do ministry to the community to reach the lost and reading your Bible. Don't ever pick up your Bible and go, oh, yeah, I got I to gotta read this chapter today because somebody's going to say something to me if I don't, you know. No. Jesus, his burden is light. Jesus will take care of all the problems. His shoulders are bigger than mine. And he can carry a whole lot more than I can carry. And so whatever burdens you put on yourself, I want you to cast it off like an old jacket, like a heavy backpack. Put it down. Ask yourself today, am I enjoying the, my walk with Christ?
Am I walking slowly with the rabbi? Am I walking slowly with my Savior through life? I want you to enjoy it. Would you do that? Just don't sweat the small stuff. Give it to the Lord in prayer and just enjoy Him. Enjoy one another in Christ. And I'm going to keep you busy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I need you. I, 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 it would be easy in my flesh to say, well, if I do it all, that's job security, right? Okay. When it comes to the personnel committee or Pastor John or you, it's, well, Scott, what you doing this day? Oh, boy, I'm busy. I got, I'm doing so much and stuff. That would be easy in my flesh to say, well, if I do it, it's job security. It makes me feel good that I'm doing something. And it makes pride step in and go, well, look at Scott. Look what all he's doing. That's not healthy. That's a sin. So when I see needs and you see me frequently send out a prayer request or an email to the church body for opportunities or ministries and stuff, it's because I want to do it. But there's not enough of me to go around. I can't do it all. And uh, my heart just gets broken for things all around the world like Syria, Turkey, and Jordan, all these countries, and I, my heart's broken for the needs around us and our community, opportunities, how we can minister to one another, serve the body of Christ, advance the kingdom of Jesus here on this earth. But I can't do it. We need you to be the body of Christ and do what you do so well because you can do things I can't do. But forgive me if I've ever burdened you in any way as a church leader. Forgive me if I've ever misled you in any way in Bible study to anything wrong, because that's not my desire. I want you to just love Jesus and be aware of Him and walk in the joy of the Lord today and always, okay? That's my desire. That's what I'm looking for myself, okay? But I love y'all. I appreciate you very much. And so we're going to actually finish with two minutes to spare. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us next week as Pastor John continues the study. And if you're looking for more, find us at northportbaptist.org.